Your day has just begun. But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hashtag Utah Jazz. Loose ball, 50-50, Clarkson has it. Clarkson comes out of it. Clarkson reverse layup, scores and he's fouled. And somersaults. Clarkson drives with the left hand, into the paint, kicks. Niang, left corner three. Pow! Bam! Boom! Pow! Yes, sir! Rolling up five. Favors offensive rebound. Back out to O'Neal, rotates to Donovan. Big knee bend, fires the three, hits. Jazz back up by 10. David Locke on the call. The highlights from the Knicks win, or from the Jazz win over the Knicks. As the Knicks bolt out to a big lead. They're up by 15. It was 13 at the half. And the Jazz made that go away in about five and a half minutes. And then the fourth quarter, they just blew the game open right at the very start of the fourth quarter. And they win 108-94. Royce O'Neal, 20 points. Most points he scored this year. Rudy Gobert came close to a 20-20 game. Didn't get it. They finished with 18 points and 19 rebounds. PK, they took a punch. They, another Austin Rivers all-star performance. Ten straight shots and 25 points at halftime, but 0 for 4 in the second half, and the Jazz win it. Yeah, I thought Tom Thibodeau played great defense on uh, Austin Rivers, taking him out of the game. <laughs> Let him then cool not off. Him, then not putting him back in until about halfway through the third quarter. I would have rode him all the way to halftime, and I would have started him at the third quarter, but they got their ways. I've seen it a million times. makes no sense. A, a guy like him who's basically a journeyman player, he has it going on. See how far he could take it because he took you pretty far in the first half. They took him out in the second quarter. He never regained it, literally. And it was a nice gut check, kind of grind it out type of thing. Conley took the pressure off Mitchell in the third quarter by, what, scoring 10 points. Mm-hmm. And once they got it going, then what we've seen now nine times in a row, they're not going to be stopped. Jazz are back in action. They face the Mavericks. 7 o'clock tonight. They're going to play them twice in three days. Got them tonight and again on Friday. Zone coverage starts at 6 o'clock. Jake Scott, Tim Lacombe will be here with the Jazz Game Night pregame show. Also, and Donovan was asked about this in the postgame show, the Utah legislature formally adopted a resolution to back Donovan Mitchell after Shaquille O'Neal's sharp criticisms. 67-5, to it passed. And Donovan seemed to enjoy the emotional support. Okay, yeah, I've got nothing for you. <laughs> DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. Ah! Up, got it blocked from behind by John Collins. And now it's going to be Trey Young to bring it back. Trey drives all the way through and lays it up and in. Trey Young comes back with it. Uh, Trey behind the pick. Straight away three. It rattles in. Bonk got a leaning shot put rim. Short rebound Cousins. That's a bad possession. Ahead to Oladipo, puts on the brakes, shoots from the elbow, and scores! Rockets with the lead and the ball, working to our left. Cousins to Wall for three. Yes! John Wall! And he directs some words towards the Wizards bench. John Wall and Russell Westbrook get into a verbal confrontation during the Rockets-Wizards game. They get technical fouls in the fourth quarter. Houston wins the game 107 to 88. Rockets are 7 and 9. Wizards are 3 and 10. PK, two guys who got their feelings hurt because they got traded. 
who got the better of the deal, so they have words. I mean, what is that all about? I mean, neither one's got a winning record. What does it matter? Uh, my thought on that is that they were teammates for a little bit, and Wall didn't appreciate what Westbrook was doing. So they, that I think that was not that they just got traded because Westbrook was getting into it when Durant left. Uh, so I don't know how big of a deal it was there. Hawks 108, Clippers 99. Trey Young goes off. He has 38 points. Clippers were shorthanded. They got their two stars in COVID protocol. Don't know exactly what's going on. The coach got asked about it. He said they're feeling good, so whatever. Anyway, they're not with the team on this trip. And they're also missing Patrick Beverly. He's got some knee stuff going on, so you're missing your two stars and three rotation guys, and Trey Young goes off, and Atlanta beats the Clippers. So Jazz are now a half game behind the Lakers and a half game in front of the Clippers. The Clippers one one down, five to go on this road trip. Yeah, that was predictable that they would lose uh, without that. That's a lot of star power. Pacers guard Karis LeVert underwent surgery to treat renal cell carcinoma on his left kidney. The team said he's expected to make a full recovery. No further treatment is expected to be needed. He'll remain out indefinitely as he recovers from the procedure. As he said, well, it's a good thing he got traded and had that physical, and they found it, PK. Oh, yeah, this is great news. <laughs> yeah. Sekou Smith, longtime NBA reporter and TV analyst, passed away after battling COVID-19. He's 48 years old. He worked for Turner Sports since 2009. He's survived by his wife and three children. A lot of people in the media reacting to that, and some coaches too reacting to that. He was uh, well known around the league, and a lot of people really sorry to see that. That's awfully young, 48 with three kids. Certainly, I'm not familiar with his work, but that doesn't matter. Um, yeah, this is a big time tragedy. I, I feel as much empathy as I possibly could for yeah. himself and his family and his three children. I mean, this sucks. Yeah. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. BYU and Pepperdine again. BYU just just won. The Cougars uh, beat the Waves Saturday night at home. Now they're in Malibu. 1 o'clock, BYU TV. Cougars will be trying to stretch it to five straight wins. If there's been a silver lining to all of this as a sports fan, PK, there's been a lot of afternoon sports we don't normally get because normally they'd be trying to get some fans into a weeknight game, but since that's not happening, we're getting matinees. Sure, that's fun to to have this game here be at 1 o'clock. I like that this two-game set that these teams have been playing, the Mountain West is doing a little bit more, but BYU's been involved. Obviously, they're involved here. and The fact that it's at 1 o'clock is great for me. Yeah, I'm available. I'll be watching. Utah State plays UNLV tonight. Second game in three days. They lost at Vegas. Horrific game on Monday. See if they can do a little better than this. They've lost back-to-back games now. 9 o'clock tonight, FS1. Scotty G's on the call. The Aggie pregame show starts at 8.30 on 1280. The Jazz game will be finishing up over on 97.5. Expecting a win in this one? I mean, I expected a win on Monday. I think they're the better team, but you wouldn't know it by the way they played and the, the way they shot the ball. I couldn't ask you, uh, answer you that they were a better team. I really hadn't been paying attention much to UNLV, so I, I don't feel like I was in the position to say that they were the better team going into it because I hadn't. I don't think I'd seen UNLV play once. DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. I don't think people are used to hearing the truth from athletes. So when they hear the truth, it's so like surprising at times. That's why this show I think has been so different than. It's because you're hearing somebody who, you know, has been around a long time who 
talks to people that he likes and shares like real non pre-rehearsed uh, non-robotic comments non-robotic comments those are nice few and far between but they're good when you get them that's Aaron Rodgers saying athletes aren't used to telling the truth so tell us the truth Aaron are you going to be back in Green Bay or not are you going to cause waves or are you going to let them do whatever they want What's that's a Pat answer? McAfee show Did, okay, he uh, says so he has reason to think he will be back with the franchise next season but added there's not many absolutes in this business okay a big probable Chiefs and Buccaneers have some reinforcements coming in in the Super Bowl. Chiefs running back Le'Veon Bell, knee issue. Wide receiver Sammy Watkins, calf issue. Bucks wide receiver Antonio Brown, who's been battling knee problems. Safety Antoine Winfield Jr. has got an ankle. All expected to be healthy enough to be in uniform and playing on February 7th. None of those guys played in the conference championship games this past Sunday, but they're all expected to be ready for the Super Bowl. So we want to see these teams at full strength. I mean, they're not going to be at full strength, but... In better shape than they were getting these guys back. In better shape than they would be without these guys. I mean, oh, obviously, the, the Chiefs are missing an offensive ta- another offensive tackle now, so they'll have to deal with that. I mean, with the COVID, we really have no idea 12 days out who's going to be at full strength. So I would be cautious to say that this player is coming back, that player is coming back, this player is available, and so forth. Seattle Seahawks reportedly set to hire Rams passing game coordinator Shane Waldron as their new offensive coordinator. Waldron's been a primary play caller in uh, many of his seven seasons as an NFL assistant. Or no, he's never been. Excuse me. Never been. Never been a primary play caller. So this is it. Big promotion for him. He's been with the Rams for four years. Maybe he'll bring him some inside intel inside the division. No, the skinny. It's all on film. I think they figure a lot of stuff out. But Seattle's (laughs) trying to get their offense going. You just argued with yourself. Yeah, there. I did. Wasn't it great? That was awesome. I'm conflicted on this issue. Hold on, I got this guy. I got both I got sides. And now over here. And then. Anything you'd like to say about the NFC West? It's my favorite division. I love it. I wish every team would be in the Super Bowl every year. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. Tennessee Volunteers are hiring UCF coach Josh Heupel as their new head coach, according to multiple reports this morning. New Vols AD Danny White hired Heupel when he was at UCF. So those two get together again, and life is a, uh, is a group of five team. You get it going, but then your coach gets hired away. We've seen it happen with other programs. Houston, Houston had a, a really good stretch there, an excellent season, but a good stretch of seasons. But coaching changes have knocked them down a peg. Holding on to your guy can be hard. So much I, money I don't think it, I don't think it's restricted to Group of Five. I mean, Mike Leach left Washington State. Yep. Texas running back Keontae Ingram announced he's transferring to USC. A former starter for the Longhorns in 2019, he rushed for 1,800 yards over the past three seasons in Austin. That's decent, but the offense that uh, SC is currently employing has sort of gone away from the the running backs. Yeah, it has. But I guess if it gives you some more depth at running back, they haven't really been short at running back. It's just, it is, like you said, they don't really feature them. The way they've been throwing the ball around, there just aren't as many carries. Former Kansas City Chiefs Hall of Famer Will Shields, longtime HBCU Hall of Fame legend Joe Taylor, Texas AD Chris Del Conte, Kentucky AD Mitch Barnhart, and NC State AD Boo Corrigan make up the new five members of the College Football Playoff Committee. 
Iowa AD Gary Barta will remain as the chair of the committee, and PK now I suspect these guys will pick the undefeated and one-loss teams. So what do they have? It's a rotational basis? Yeah, it's a three-year deal. Three-year terms, yes. Uh, So Ronnie Lott is one of the guys outgoing in this. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. For the first time since 2013 and the ninth time since voting began in 1936, no candidate reached the necessary 75% threshold for election. Kurt Schilling led the group with votes on 71.1% of ballots cast, finishing just 16 votes short of election. So there it is. Nobody into the Baseball Hall of Fame. So this summer, assuming they have the induction ceremonies as scheduled, they'll put in the class of 2020 because they didn't do that last year. And everybody will try again next year, except Kurt Schilling sent a letter to request that the Hall remove him from the writer's ballot next year, his final year of eligibility. Says he hopes a veterans committee would enshrine him at a later date. Schilling 16 votes shy of making it in. And then all the steroid guys behind him, the Clemens and Bonds and on down the line, none of those guys either. Well, nobody. Uh, So uh, the Hall will consider taking his name off of it. It doesn't have to. I think this is a mistake. And I know, oh, he's racist. I got it. I looked at some of the the people and then uh, I put it up on Facebook. We didn't get that many comments. And then I clicked on the one guy and, and sure enough, I mean, he was a hardcore Democrat. We understand that. Politics. That's what's. We're now in, allowing politics to get into it. I mean, I think it's a slippery slope because if, if I'm going to judge one guy, and he and he runs his mouth, there's no question, and it's not for me. I mean, I could never do what he's doing and taking these outrageous. Well, maybe not. Some people wouldn't consider them outrageous, but taking these strong. How about that word? Political stances. I mean, that I I don't like extreme on either side. It doesn't matter what side it is. I just don't like it. Uh, but then. When do I get past that and realize it's a museum, it's not a a hall of character, and then do I look at the individual voters? What do they got going on in their lives? How do I know that these guys, every single one of these voters, hasn't done or said things that are questionable? Let's go check all their social media. Yeah, and then I got to go on. And suppose they they, uh, broke the vows of their marriage. What do I do on that? You know, for some, that's highly offensive. Suppose someone opposes or supports abortion. You know, I mean, Chris Hill the other day, when he came on at the end of the day, at the end of the interview, said, you know, it's a great, yesterday was a great day. All right, we know he's a Democrat. Now, suppose I would have said, well, except for the future unborns that are not going to make it to to have an opportunity to live. You know what I mean? You can just go back and forth. What was a great day? Great day for whom? For you, because that's what you believe in, and you have every right to believe in that. And if that's a great day for you, more power to you. But I just think that once we start going down that road, where does it end? And and are you supposed to have character after you played or character while you played? Because I watched Baseball Network, and Harold Reynolds was bringing up that he's never heard any of his teammates complain about him. The guys who were with him, from February to October, day in and day out, and they obviously in the baseball network it's, it's uh, full of ex-players, Carlos Pena, uh, Billy Ripken, you know, they, they got several of them, and I was just watching from like uh, four to five because I knew the thing was going to be on, 
and I had nothing else to watch at that point in time, right? I was preparing. I hadn't not time for dinner yet. The jazz game hasn't started. So I'm watching that, and there, the, all of them unanimously believe he has the statistics and that he separated himself from many, if not all, or certainly most of his peers during the time that he played. And his big game thing, uh, who's the one guy uh, I've seen his name? I mean, I've seen his face. He's, I, I just don't know the names very well. Verducci, I think. Tom yeah, Verducci. Tom Verducci. He's yeah. a longtime writer, SI. Yeah, I think he was born in West Orange, and that's why I was latch on to him. There's a lot of TV him. work down, yeah. And so he, was, he had some stat in winner-go-home games. Schilling got the ball uh, X amount of times. He won every one of them, and his ERA was under two. He's like saying, well, so there's no argument about what he's done on the field. I just sit, sit in moral judgment of people really makes me nervous. So a couple things on this. One, it's always two 70, things with you. Yeah, it might be three, too. I always underestimate. A trio of things on this, PK. <laughs> one, 71% of the people agree with what you just said and voted for him. I don't know that they all like him or like his politics or like what he said about the media or... Like how he talked to him after games, you know, what, whatever it is. 71% of the people either don't mind it or mind it but set it aside and voted for him. So I think the second thing is this goes back to what you said about Hank Aaron. You know, yes, there were just hate-filled letters, just, just, just over-the-top, repulsively death threats. But there were also people giving him standing ovations. And there were people writing him nice fan mail, and he wanted some of that included. So... It's a mix. What it comes down to is 16 people. If 16 of the 29% that didn't vote for him, if just 16 people vote for him, then he's in and this discussion is different. You know, and, and some of it is politics and all that. But another thing, check it off. And I think we're to the third item now. I don't think the situation is different if he gets voted in. It's just that he got in. The, the, the situation remains the same. Does his running of the mouth and his extreme right-wing views, should that be taken into effect? Just because you get in, it doesn't, I don't think the discussion is different. I think it's the exact same thing. You just got more people who say yes. It's the fact is his on-the-field stuff. I don't think that you have to go through and ask all those folks who voted against him, do you think his on-the-field stuff isn't worthy? That's the discussion. So I saw someone wrote a list of some of the stuff he's done. And you always talk about the media is like a dog. If you pet it, it will be nice to you. And if you try to kick it, it will bark at you and bite you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And one of the things he liked on social media that outraged people was uh, tree. uh, Somebody had a shirt or something and they posted and then he liked it or commented on it or commented and liked it, whatever. But he reacted to it. Positively, and it said, tree, robe, journalist, some assembly required. Yeah, 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 I know. It's, it's over the top. Yeah, yeah. Why, why do it? I mean, it just, I wouldn't do it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't appreciate what he's doing and what he's saying. I, I'm a moderate, and I like it. I like people to come together. I don't care what your political is. I want you to come together. But once you start being extreme, I'm going to move to Canada if fill <laughs> in the blank gets elected. No, you're, you're not. I check out. No, you're not. I, I just don't want to hear it. And that's why I didn't. I support Kerr and Popovich's right to say what they say, but it was always so angry and it was just ripping. What were the solutions? Just get rid of them, silence them, ban them. 
Is that those are the solutions? That's certainly what we see to seem to be hearing now. What is trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. Receive a free reverse osmosis system with the purchase of any water softener at Shamrock Plumbing. 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. Coming at 830, Tim Cato, Dallas Mavericks and NBA writer for The Athletic. He'll join us. Look ahead to the Jazz playing uh, two games against the Mavericks in the next three nights. We'll talk with him at 830. Tim Lacombe, Jazz Radio Studio Analyst and former BYU and Utah basketball staff member will join us at 9.05 right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Number one. The Zone Sports Network is Utah's number one choice for sports radio in Utah. From DJ and PK to Hanson Scotty and the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, the Zone continues to dominate the competition. Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I think our team competes and there's stretches where, you know, see opportunities for guys flying around. There was a couple of them and I thought it was really significant in both halves um, where we were on the offensive glass, where we had two or three chances to score. And sometimes those were great looks and they weren't going in and we just kept competing. So I I think there was a number of possessions um, where that that occurred. And, you know, that's who we are. You know, we, we kept battling and didn't feel sorry for ourselves that shots weren't being made in the first half. You know, they hit some great shots. You know, hats off to them, and we hung in there. Hot Texture Toast brought to you by Jerry Seiner Cadillac. At Jerry Seiner Cadillac, you can shop your way and get a piece of luxury you deserve. Stop by and test drive one today. There's Quinn Snyder on an unusual game with the Knicks, down 13 at the half with three of the five starters missing like 17 straight shots to open the game and Never really shot the ball that well, but did it well enough to wipe out that 13-point halftime deficit. And Rudy Gobert, seven offensive rebounds, PK. You hear uh, Quinn allude to that. One reason he had that many offensive rebounds is, well, there were a lot of offensive rebounds to be had. But the other reason, he, he knew they were in trouble, and he was going hard to the glass. And it finally paid off. They got it together early in the third quarter for one run and early in the fourth quarter for another big run. Plus, I don't think the Knicks, I don't watch them every game, but they don't strike me as a good rebounding team. They're not playing with a lot of physical, tough guys up front. Uh, the couple of big guys that they have are Slender, Nerlens Noel, and this Robinson guy. And, you know, Randall is somewhat undersized. So the opportunities are going to be there because the competition is going to allow you to do there. But nevertheless, give the Jazz credit for actually doing it. And I think that I saw, just trying to look through the television, so to speak, I, I sort of saw a mindset like, all right, a couple of things here is that Austin Rivers is not going to continue to be Michael Jordan on steroids here or Reggie Miller or whoever the great shooters in the game are or scorers, whatever you want. And secondly, we know that what we can do, and this is just the first half, meaning that there's plenty of time. And I sort of felt like the Jazz felt like, just keep doing what we're doing, keep working at it, we'll get a streak, somebody will get going, and once somebody will get going, the proverbial hitting is contagious in baseball, that'll loosen it up for everybody else. And that's exactly what happened in the third quarter. Conley came out, he's playing very, very well. He's such a – the guy – He's another one of these guys that I wish the Jazz would have had earlier. 
you know, like I always said Joe Johnson. I wish Joe Johnson could have come earlier in his career. He was at a later stage than Conley has come. But these guys are men, and they understand the job at hand is to win basketball games, and they're really not interested in any other nonsense. They're here for a specific reason. They've got a family. They go home to the family, and they show up to work, and they're trying to do their job to the best of their ability, and there's nothing else that's going to get in the way. And you get that a lot of times with veterans, particularly guys that you know have kids and whatnot, and obviously Conley has all that stuff. And so he got it going in the third quarter, and I think that's exactly what you saw. That loosened it up, and then you saw others start to feel a little more comfortable. And the thing that hit the Knicks before they knew it, the lead was over. And then conversely, I felt like looking into the Knicks' eyes, and this is just metaphorically, I'm trying to make a point here, is that I felt like, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. We know this team is better than us. How are we going to be able to stop it? And Thibodeau doesn't even have Austin in the game yet. And so where are we going with this? And I think that those couple of things, as I saw one team seem, we've got time, we'll get this done. Another team saying, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble, led to the result that we had. Yeah, it, you, you are who you are, and you tend to know who you are. These guys have played a lot of basketball, and they know who's better, and they know where the matchup problems are, and they know who's talented. And the Knicks knew their team with a losing record, and the Jazz know their team with one of the two or three best records. And there is plenty of time to iron this out. There were uh, – <laughs> what you say about Austin Rivers? You, you weren't ready to place a bet at halftime that Austin Rivers was going to finish 20 for 20 for 50 points? That had to change? <laughs> oh, obviously, but I didn't know to what level. Right. I didn't know he wasn't going to score again. Yeah, I wouldn't have taken him out in the second quarter. I would have ridden it right to the halftime. He, he's, and they were talking about being the guys, the Knicks being tired. Well, he's the oldest guy on the team in terms of playing, and Todd Gibson's on the roster, but I don't think he played. Uh, and uh, Rivers is like 29. I mean, R.J. Barrett is 20 years old. I don't want to hear tired at 20 years old. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you are channeling the late great Jerry Sloan right now. He literally <laughs> said that <laughs> after Stockton alone, and and they were gone, and he would say, "Yeah, I mean, Stockton alone. I'm not asking him to play 35 minutes for 82 games for 20 years. These young guys, they'll be fine." Yeah, he didn't want to hear it. Well, I didn't want to hear it either. I mean, they hadn't played the night before, and it was the last game of a road trip, and now the last game of a road trip, it's hard to do. And, and the next thing you know, the third game of a road trip, because you're right in the middle of the road trip there. I mean, come on. I know. It, they weren't going back-to-back. That, that no. was, so I kept hearing the fatigue thing. But, you know, they were gassed. You could, you could see it in their body language, and the hands are on the knees, and they're huffing and puffing. I think it was puffing. mental. Oh, they it was knew, absolutely mental, too. They knew I think they, it was they were going to get beat. Yeah. They, so the energy of wearing out, of trying to maintain what the Jazz were bringing at them, I think created some mental fatigue, which led to justifiably saying that you have physical fatigue. But who cares? That sucks for them. doesn't matter. It's not like the Jazz, they only get half a win because the other team was tired. It just doesn't matter, man. It's like, like Kyle Whittingham. Nobody cares. <laughs> and he's right. Nobody cares. They got the win, and that's all that matters. And they played well in the second half. Now, you don't want to be doing that too often. But in 72-game season, this is going to happen. To me, the good sign was you found a way to grind it out on a night that your star had a hard time scoring. Donovan was 3-for-15 shooting the ball and finished with nine points. And nonetheless, they won by double digits and emptied the bench at the end of the game and had everything under control. Yeah, and he did hit a big three. Yeah, I, that's a, don't hang your head. You know, Gordon Hayward, he might have been the biggest hanger of header <laughs> head, ever. Head, head hanger? 
Right, yeah, because he would do that. You'd see the body language as they would walk across, and, the, and they'd be shooting down at the other basket, and the camera would be coming over uh, the coach's shoulders, so you'd be looking at them. And it seemed like his shoulders would be slumped as he's work, working his way back to the bench and whatnot. Don't do that, man. And to Mitchell's credit, I don't really ever think I saw him think, oh, geez, this is my night. I suck. I'm going to pack it in. Keep competing. And he did hit a big three. I think he hit two big threes, did he not? He hit one in front of the bench and one from the top of the key? Yeah. Yeah. And other guys were making plays along the way. There were, Quinn talked a lot about the hustle plays because you can't hang your head. If anything, you got to try a little harder. Conley on the ground, on the floor, uh, and the loose ball, and two nicks right there, and he bats it to Joe Ingles, who hits a three, which I think was his only three of the game, but it tied the game. You know, it was a play that could have gone either way. If the Knicks pick it up and go the other way, they push the lead back to five, but they didn't. And right to open the fourth quarter, that Jordan Clarkson went and got a ball off the ground that was rolling out towards midcourt and went around a defender and went down court and got a three-point play. Got him an easy hoop, got the quarter started the right way. That was for the lead. I don't think they ever trailed after that. That, that was the, the play that put him ahead to stay. So, you know, the, the, the games can't it can get away from you. It shouldn't because you are the better team, but you need to make a couple plays like that at key times. And I'd also put in voice O'Neal, just his junkyard dog nature that he plays with. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't get a lot of run. A lot of times he scored, so he's going to get some run. But a lot of the stuff, I think you need those types of players. Every team has those types of players that, if whatever it takes, just do whatever you need to do. And you got in the league and you've maintained the league and you've found success in the league because you are that junkyard dog. You're just going to compete. Your tongue's going to be uh, on the floor at the end of the game because you're going to be gassed because you're going to give you everything, give them everything you got. And I think that's uh, and and more credit to to, to Royce O'Neal to carving himself out a role uh, in a professional basketball league, the best league in the world, obviously, to be able to do, and to do it on a very good team too is not anything that uh, should be taken lightly. And more power to him for competing at the level that he competes at because he saw, okay, my team needs my energy, and energy is another thing that can be contagious too, energy being the hustle on the floor, the diving, and all that stuff, because if I'm watching you do it, well, that's going to motivate me to do it. I don't want to be the the slacker here. I don't want to be the loose link who's not giving everything when I see everybody else is doing it, right? So I'm going to do it too. It's going to be something that's going to invade the team and be infectious, And, and I think Royce... In, in a sense, and I, I can't say he leads the way, but he certainly sets an example, if not the example, on all that stuff. And that one play where uh, Conley was rolling on the floor with the ball, mm-hmm. and there was a guy that that's down in the bottom of the screen because the floor now, mm-hmm. you know, they have the fans off, and he stood up and he had both arms extended. Like, why wouldn't you call a foul? Who was that guy? I don't know, but I saw him multiple times jumping around, yeah, just so into it. Who was? Uh, I in, need to find out. Somebody yeah, tell me. You know who it is. Tell me. I need to know. Sometimes it's team personnel, but uh, I think there was I think a game all in sitting De- on the other side. Right. I don't think it is Down here. Down the left. In it uh, on the road, somebody was up, and somebody told me it was. Uh, and, and you can see the top of their head just stand as they stood up. You know, at key parts of the game or whatever. It might have been in Detroit. And somebody told me, oh, well, that's uh, Justin Zanuck, because with no fans in the arena, that's where they put the team personnel. But the Jazz have fans in the arena. So I assume that was fans. But you see so little of them, and you see the back of their head, it's hard to know I who it is. I think that all the management types sit 
across from yeah. yeah. I think you're I think you're right. So that would be on the left side of this person. And but the they, person was tall. I I need to know who that was. They were up they were up ref in the game multiple times. <laughs> they were they were ready to go. Fully invested, as Bronco would say. Well, yeah, I haven't uh, seen uh, Dennis Lindsay. Now, Kevin O'Connor used to sit uh, up about five, six, seven rows, whatever it was, and, uh, and, he would, and he'd be right on the aisle, yeah. just left of the scores table, and you'd see him going, but there would be 19,000 people, so he just blended in. Yeah, he was, he, he was just, he, it was really good seats, but it was just yeah. far enough back that the refs wouldn't have any idea. And he'd only come down about two or three two steps. steps. Yeah, right. He wouldn't get anywhere near no, the he floor. Knew, he knew how to play it. He knew yeah. how to play it. He and, can, he was in, and that was fine. And that's. Uh, I always I looked at him. It was entertaining to me. Well, the refs yeah. never had any probably any idea. Because nope. they're not going to be looking up. You're going to be following the action, and he's yelling and screaming. And, and yeah. if that's what you need to do to get yourself, uh, uh, you know, you're emotionally connected. Right. Obviously, it was his livelihood, but yeah, he handled it. But that guy who stood up on that play is wondering who is that. Dude? So I was just sent a text saying that was the Knicks GM. Okay, see, it makes sense. It was Scott, somebody Scott Perry who was their general. It was manager. somebody who was really invested. So, that's what I was, so that makes sense. I was told it was the Knicks GM. That yeah, that, that makes sense. And yeah, so they right. put the, the the home team's management across from the home team's bench and the road team's management across from the road's bench. Uh, apparently, on the floor. Yeah. That yeah, would okay. make sense. Yeah, that was a bizarre play. And I was thinking about you know I was thinking about stuff uh, that I'm going to ask when we have guests on, and I was thinking I was going to ask Joe because it seemed in that game that the refs were letting stuff go, which I sort of like. Now it's a fine line, obviously. You don't want to get it too physical to where it just becomes uh, you know MMA in a ring type of deal. <laughs> but I like the fact that let them play. Let's not make sure we're overly or over officiating. Uh, but you know that's that's you a tough the game, job. You want the game to have some flow, absolutely. You don't want a bunch of ticky tack stuff and whistles always stopping everything. So I'm with you on that. But there were there was some there was some pretty physical stuff that was let go. And I, I thought the Knicks got away with an over the back on Donovan, and I didn't notice it live, but I did on the replay. He got a knee to the back of the head. That yeah, he did. That that rocked him a little bit. Yeah, he was down. I saw that. And yeah, okay, all right. Well, you're gonna have some contact. And uh, I, I, I don't mind it. I want to, I want to hear what Joe has to say uh, on that. And I think he would join us on Thursday because uh, what's today? Wednesday? They play they Wednesday, play Friday. They're off right. tomorrow, yeah. and they play Friday. Yeah, the plan is for him tomorrow. Yeah, and his weekly visit. And so that was uh, something that I would think they would like. Is hey, you got to do something, man. When uh, this team has it going on, and for a little bit there, to the Knicks' credit. They had it going on. That's why I like this Jazz win, because it was different. You know, when you race out to a 14 nothing lead and everything's going your way, well, it's easy to just be free and loose and play and smile and all that stuff. But when you got to gut out and grind out a win, that, because that's what playoffs are going to be about, if not every game, certainly some of them, or if not the, some of them, the majority of them. you got to have to find ways to win. Now, obviously, when you get, uh, hopefully, for these guys into the second and third round, the competition is going to be much stiffer than that the Knicks can provide. I understand that. But as far as being in January, it's good to have these types of games just to see what you can do. I don't necessarily know that they need to learn from them because this team's such a veteran team. And they've experienced a lot individually, and now they're experiencing it collectively. But just to know, to reference point, all right, we just uh, keep keep doing what we're doing. And even in the course of a game, 
our time will come. Now, for Donovan, his time came a couple times on a night that he was having a hard, hard time struggling to make baskets. Yeah, but I think also the team knows that uh, Donovan doesn't have to have 30 for this team to win. You know, it's another reference point. And he will more often than not, but if he has a nine-point night, there's there's firepower on this team, and other guys can hit shots, and other guys can make plays. You know, That'll be interesting to see, though. How many if times they can do it they against win the best teams right? when he's not scoring anywhere close to his average? And nine literally might be the season low that he has. It wouldn't surprise me at all if that was his season low going forward. And I'm not sure how many times they can do that if that's what he's doing. Key that it was the Knicks and not a team that was better. You know, if it'd been a you know if he did that against the Nuggets because they're playing the Nuggets Sunday, uh, how would that work out? You know, obviously the Nuggets are a lot better than the Knicks. Well, that's an interesting thing. They are, but you something's going on with Jamal Murray because his yeah. scoring is way way down. If especially if you compare it to the bubble, which I think we're seeing that that was uh, somewhat fluke of circumstances. If not, not I want to say entirely because mm. you still got to make the baskets. But there was something going on there with the background and what have you that led to prodigious scoring outputs that are beyond what these guys are capable of doing consistently. So just looking just this year, which is a small sample size, but he's had four games this year under 20 points, and they are 3-1. and one. Who are you speaking of? Donovan. Okay, how about nine? Nine's is low. The yeah. previous low was 15, which is what he had against the Clippers when they won 106-100 back on New Year's night. And he's they had do a couple have more of eight, firepower. There's no question yeah, about that. He's had a couple of 18 point games. That's not that far off of 20. But he had 18 in a really poor shooting performance in the loss to New York in New York. And then he had 18 on another. He's seven of 20. He didn't shoot the ball well at Denver, and they won that game. So, and I don't have any problem with that as long as they're not forced shots. Don't go hunting for stuff, particularly if it's not there, because there's no need to. Now on some teams. They uh, play like Booker in Phoenix the last few years. I don't follow them every game, but off the top of my head, I would have to think that there was probably games where he had to shoot because you'd rather have him shoot than just about most of the, uh, if not all the guys on the team, you know, because they weren't very good. They didn't have a, a bunch of shooters. Well, this team has a bunch of shooters, so there's no need to force stuff. If you're open, Mitchell, absolutely. In fact, uh, I think Quinn Snyder would probably demand yeah. that he take it. And don't lose confidence. Try to, and that's hard to say. I mean, it's easy to say. It's hard to do as far as, you know, you're 3 of 12, don't lose confidence. But looking at him and trying to read body language through a television screen doesn't seem like he lacks for confidence, which is great because that's going to allow him on a crappy shooting night to make a couple of big threes that contribute to the comeback. He took 15 shots, and that his season low is 14. Season high is 24. So he's on the low end of what he normally does, but he didn't stop shooting. And you can't stop shooting. <laughs> you, you can't. You, you, and you got to have confidence when you put it up and make, those, make whatever shots you can. At halftime, I was a little surprised. I wondered if he'd still end up with a, uh, with a 25-point game. We've, so, we've seen so many games where he hasn't, hasn't scored in the first half and has then gone berserk in the second. So I, I was kind of expecting that, and he didn't obviously go off. And to me, that's even that's a great sign, though, is that he didn't have to go off. And I don't know if it was specifically deferring to Conley, because obviously in the third quarter, Conley really had it going on. And so was it a mindset? Well, 
this lefty dude, he's got it. My backcourt mate's got it going on and making making sure I'm setting him up because he's feeling it. He sort of picked up where Austin Rivers left off in that third quarter. Obviously, anytime you're scoring 10 points in a quarter, you're doing very, very well. And so I, I would have to ask Mitchell if there was a concerted effort then maybe to lay back a little bit, so to speak, and let Conley do his thing because Conley was the trigger man in wiping out that lead. And once you wipe out that lead, that's like I thought to myself, okay, now guys, make sure you take a collective breath and make sure that lead doesn't resurface and they get back up to 10 because you used enough energy to get back into the game. Although I felt like it was sort of not energyless, but it wasn't like it was a phonetic pace that we've just got to press, we got to do everything we can, like the Aggies did at the end of the UNLV game the other night to get themselves back within three. You know, they're running around with their heads cut off, so to speak, and full-court pressing and whatnot. I didn't really see that. It's jazz. As they got back, it sort of came within the flow. And then I think you saw to a level of the Knicks, maybe panic's a strong word, but sort of thinking this isn't going to work out the way we had hoped. They they knew they were in trouble. I mean, that they, they, they played such a good first half, and it took the Jazz five and a half minutes to make it a one point game. And at that point, I think everybody knew how this was going to play out. You know, the Jazz were in great shape at that point. All right, DJ and PK, it's ninety seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. You got your reaction coming up. You can hit us up on Twitter. You can hit us up on uh, Facebook, DJ and PK on Twitter. David DJ James. Grab your phone. Uh, use the uh, use the app. Use the open mic feature, and you can send us your audio, and we'll get your takes on the air. DJ and PK, it's ninety seven five and twelve eighty. The zone. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. House resolution honoring Donovan Mitchell over Shaquille O'Neal. The resolution recognizes the exemplary service of Donovan Mitchell to the Utah Jazz and the Utah community, whereas the claim by Shaquille O'Neal that Utah Jazz all-star Donovan Mitchell doesn't have what it takes to get to next level is even less accurate than Shaquille O'Neal's 50.4% playoff free throw percentage, whereas Kazam has a 5% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) Jazz fans have watched Donovan contribute to this community so often and with so much love that people connect with him far beyond just a basketball player. He's an all-star. He's the face of a franchise along with Rudy Gobert. And he's a good dude. And you just don't see that combination very often. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Rivers torched the Jazz in the fourth in New York. He's torching him now. He rises, he fires, he hits again! This is ridiculous! It was ridiculous. Ten straight shots in the first half. 25 points. But, coach stuck with the rotation. And then halftime he cooled off. That wasn't surprising. PK could have just ridden Austin Rivers all the way to the locker room. I mean, he's not tired until he misses a shot. If you're tired, your legs are going to go. You're going to miss a shot. If you're if you haven't missed a shot yet, you're not tired yet. Well, yeah, and then you're going to have a, a what's a 15 minute break at halftime. Mm-hmm. So lie down. <laughs> Take a cat nap. I just I love Austin Rivers, man. He thinks he's bad boy from the hood. <laughs> I just love his his appearance. I remember. Glenn Big Baby Davis ripping him for that. 
Everybody wants street cred. It's funny, you know. Everybody wants to, like, yeah, I'm down with it. Yeah, no, no. Nobody wants to say, man, I was just born in the lap of luxury, and I've had it so simple and so easy. All I had to do was not screw it up. <laughs> Nobody, really, what, and, and those of us who weren't born in the lap of luxury, we want to be able to say, man, I wish I had a dad or somebody who could have made it a whole lot easier for me. So whatever your story is, you wish you could rewrite it and change it. <laughs> Just embrace who you are. And if you should have been born into affluence, more power to you. Good luck to you, man. And way to go. Uh, you were the fortunate ones, but don't try to just try to claim street cred because the, the folks who'd been there, they're not going to give it to you no matter how hard you try. <laughs> we see that in our own community many times over. <laughs> so I checked uh, last year to see what happened. You were talking about Donovan Mitchell, nine point games. And some of these I don't even remember. Do you remember Donovan had two four point games last year? No. I didn't either. Lost in the blur of games. And the Jazz went 1-1. They split them. So. Well, they're much better than they were last year. Yeah, great. Agreed. And that's what I think that in all these preseason predictions, people did not anticipate this. Because then they don't really have an, a close association. The Jazz are not a glamour team. They're not out there uh, being featured a bunch of times. I happened to flick on uh, ESPN after the game was over just to uh, see what was going on and Tim Legler was on there just pumping him up big time, man, talking about how, yeah, nobody really saw this coming. And nobody – because they don't really know. They don't really know about the team. They're not spending a lot of time. They're not focusing on it. And in the interview, that the walk-off interview that they did with Conley last night, the word that I had been using for weeks now, he used it twice, and that's comfortable. And it's just clear he's comfortable in the role, whereas last year it was clear – he was, maybe if he wasn't uncomfortable, he wasn't familiar. It wasn't second nature to him, where now it is. Now he's he's completely and totally a jazz man, where last year eh, he sort of really wasn't, you know. He still had the thing of where do I fit in, how do I fit in. You know, I'm a veteran guy who's got a lot of skill here, but where do, where what is my role? And you know, it took some time, clearly, and now... It's like he's been playing with this group for five years. It's a, it's a night and day difference, and I appreciated that he uses the word comfortable twice because I think that's what best describes it. It's not like he's gotten better. I don't think he's, I don't think he's any better than he was. He's very good. It's just that he's comfortable and everything around him with the team and all these guys, everybody knows. I don't know that they've ever, really ever, going back to the statues, have they ever had a – this much of a veteran team? Oh, some of those, yeah, th- I think so. I-, I think some of those teams the Jazz had in the 90s were, were, there were a lot of older guys on them. Sure, but was every one of them? Uh, you'd have to check B. Russ's age. He would be the young guy. Pageant was playing and Shandon Anderson was playing. Oh, uh, so, you get much later than, yeah, you're right. Well, you said 90s. Yeah. Well, I have to go back and look at each roster. All the years blend together. Um, they were playing they young guys. Of... Now, Mitchell's young, but as I said yesterday, right. he's not really young in basketball years because he was given the keys, so to speak, from day one. So even though chronologically he's still a young pup, 
Right. He's and been their well, featured much... guy for at least three seasons. Yeah, Stockton had a had some veteran backups, but he did have a couple of young backups. Of course, now now you're talking about a guy who's playing, you know, eleven or twelve minutes a game. Uh not really in the eight man rotation, kind of the ninth or tenth guy. Playing limited careful minutes. You know, were they counting on young guys? And then you can go, you know, do the math on the age of the roster. It's uh, you're right. This is a veteran group, and I don't know that people think about it that way. I mean, Rudy's not a young guy anymore. Rudy's in his prime. DJ PK brought to you in part by Jimmy's Flowers. Valentine's Day is not far away. Flowers make the perfect gift. Jimmy's Flowers, longtime partner with the Zone, can make it easy. Visit him at Jimmy'sFlowers.com. Valentine's is on a Sunday this year, so plan ahead. Jimmy's Flowers. Dot com. Tim Cato, Dallas Mavericks, NBA writer for The Athletic, coming up at 8.30. Jazz and Mavericks tonight and again on Friday. Stay with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.